Hello, this is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of The Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. It's good to see all of you guys. Um, so let me give you some mysteries. You are in the school of, I don't know if I would say it, but you're in the school of greatness. And what I can tell you for a fact, you will look back, some day, you will look back to these days and you will cherish them. Some day, not far from now, you will look back to this day and you will cherish them. Because what God is using to build in you is the fabrics of reality. So I don't mind where you are in your life. I don't even care what you've been through. Trust me, you have all it takes to live out the life God has called you to live. You see this word of God that we carry? The Bible says the word is spirit and is life. You know, that was what Jesus said to them. The word is spirit and is life. What this means is that the, law, the word gives life. The word can actually affect you at a molecular level. So some people have actually, this word of God is the real soap. No, no, honestly. Guys, it's the real soap. Trust me. Do you know one of the mysteries of the, the Greek word for seed, which is what the word is also called, is, is called sperma. And you know what sperma is? Sperma is where we got the word sperm. And all of you here were sperms. Once upon a time. My point is, uh, I saw the doctor's face and I was like, yeah, we were once, this thing. we just happened to have won the race. Beating others to the game. But what it means is, think about how potent that thing is. Inside a sperm is life. So inside that word is life. So on Sunday, we started talking about understanding dimensions, right? Because in this season where we're calling you to walk by faith, so we're starting a new school called Mass Hill. But it's like this school you are chosen. Because some people, this is a 300 moment. It will take you to the water. You say, I drink it. So you made it. You made it. So in this school, uh, because don't ever let somebody deceive you that there are some people that have the word and they are called pastors. A pastor is the least you can ever be. The, the, the dimension of revelation they are meant to move is not exclusive to them. It's for all. If you don't know, how will you function? So you know how, even then when they see me reading books, I was no pastor. They'll say, hey, pastor, no. It's for us. So we have been conditioned to think that the depths of revelation are found only in some and they are called pastors. That is the least you will ever be. You're meant to weed the walking revelation of God's truth. Right? You're not meant to say, okay, they have it. Oh, I'm, in, I enter, I'm being entertained and I'm spectating. No, you carry it. Everything around your life will respond to the word. When God created you, God made you in his image and in his likeness. If you pause for a second to ponder what that means. When God made you in his image and his likeness. Some of the translations or some of the interpretation is that God made a replica of himself. God photocopied himself and put you in time. So what you understand is inside of you is the properties of God. Now how did God create the entire world? God did not lift, he didn't lift a finger. But in the words of, his, of a king, there is power. So God started to speak. He saw can the canvas of darkness. He did not say how dark the world is. He spoke light. He spoke and things started to take form and shape because in the words, it's in the instructions you need. Now, this is what we're saying on Sunday. Some of you here have arrived at this point in life 
without being deliberate about your life. So some of the things in your life were not coming because you wanted them, they were coming because you didn't know any better. So I'm not saying all the negative things you're experiencing are things you have spoken. But the picture of, the, of our life, our life is one of the two pictures. You see tree, one of the typologies in the Old Testament. When you see tree, the tree, tree, tree. Tree is actually a, a metaphor for your life. So when it says you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water, it's speaking of your life. Then garden is another metaphor. Now there's a mystery, there's a difference between a garden that is a beautiful flower and a garden of weeds. More often than not, some of us, our lives have become a garden of weeds because we were not deliberate about culturing the garden, the flowers. So everything you carry, Nigeria is hard, you bought it, you are talking about it, Nigeria is hard. Buhari is, I saw somebody, cost the president, the, the, the prayer of course was so strong. I, was, I sent him a message, please delete. He has not deleted. He's still there. If you read that course, you even marvel. So, but this is the mystery uh, you must keep in mind. God is sovereign, but in the matters of your life, God has chosen to limit himself by your words on a level. That God by himself, on, there's a design, there's a principle in life called seed time and harvest. There's a principle in life called gravity. Whatever goes up must come down. The law is working. That's why you're seated. The day you have no, you cannot be held by gravity. Will go to float. So that we are seated. There are principles in life, and the words you speak fall into that category. So I'm going to give you guys three case studies today that we're going to profile together. The first case we will pick it from Luke 1 verse 20, and then we track something there. Now, this was a priest whose wife has been expecting children for so long, and there was none, no children, and suddenly. God came to him. I don't know if you guys know the guy we're talking about. God came to him and God made him a promise. So, who is our reader today? Read from us uh, Luke 1 verse, I think we'll start from 20. So, in that chapter, there are two people that got words from God. No, three. Three people got words from God. But you will be surprised at the different responses. And I want to ask you the words you're receiving. How is it resonating with you? So, we're looking at Luke Well, let's backtrack from Luke 1 from 19. Who is there? Okay. Um, I'm reading from the Amplified. Anyone? Okay. The angel replied and said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand and minister in the very presence of God. And I have been sent by him to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Listen carefully. You will be continually silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Because you did not believe what I told you, but my words will be fulfilled at their proper time. Okay, let's pause there. Guys, anybody seen anything there? Please, I need one of this chair. Anybody seen something there in that scripture that, that stood out for you? Anyone? Isaiah was, Zachariah was a priest. And ideally, the man should know better. But God brought an instruction, and the guy, for some reason, did not compute. He did not compute. He did not agree. Now, if God, why must God shut him up? He couldn't speak. He went deaf and dumb. Why would God shut him down? And see what he was saying. Chile, do read that thing again. When he said that, see, I, because you are, not in, you are not in my flow, and I have made up my mind to do this, but I will wait, I will, we'll wait it out. 
because you did not believe what I told you, but my words will be fulfilled at their proper time. No, keep reading. The people outside in the court were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering about the, his long delay in the temple. But when he did come out, he was unable to speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When his time of priestly service was finished, he returned to his home. Now after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months she secluded herself completely, saying, This is how the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor on me to take away my disgrace among men. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, the angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen carefully. You will conceive in your home and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be, he will be great and eminent and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin and, ha and have no intimacy with any man? Then the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the holy, pure, sinless child shall be called the Son of God. And listen, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For with God nothing is ever is for with God nothing is or ever shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to, to your word. And the angel left her. Amen. We'll pause there. So guys, I want us to look at two responses. People got words from God, and we see the response from Zachariah, we see the response from Mary. But one of the interesting things is that Zechariah was one guy that was a priest. He was someone that knew God the most. And suddenly the man was the one that would not believe easily. Because it appears sometimes that the more you know, the less you, <laughs> the less you respond. There is a sense that after having done it for so years, you become so used to the way of doing things that God can no longer use the foolish things of this world to confound you. And the, the most complicated people are likely to miss it by simple things. Right, because somehow they have always tried to see God in the complex. And here comes this little young lady who was pretty much a, late, a teenager in her late teens, right? Was able to hear the word of God and respond and said, Be it unto me according to your word, nevertheless, at thy word, be it unto me according to the word. And someone that was that knew God could not compute. What you find in both cases is that at some point you you are likely to grow more in your Christianity by unlearning than by learning. So what I mean is most of us have been layered and layered. Things have been layered upon us. 
And those things that have been layered on us are things that we just thought this is what it is. And you've become conditioned by a form. And that form is pretty much preventing you. Your spiritual life will be enhanced by taking things away than by adding. There is a sense that by learning to detach yourself, you get there faster. So it's not sometimes you dive in, you want to go on podcasts, you want to study this. It's good to keep learning. But if that learning is just about what it is, acquisition of knowledge, and there is no, there is no exploration, you're not entering into it. My point is, this man heard the voice, he could not respond, and God decided, you know what, I don't want anybody to abort this thing. So you'll be silent. If there was a possibility that the man's words could have negated something, and God was like, you know what, I'm sovereign, I'll do this, I'll, I'll, I'll make this happen. I'm going to keep you. He could not speak until it was time to name the child. That was the first time his mouth opened again because God needed to preserve something. What about if we are not understanding this dimension of life and we're being careless about words we're speaking concerning our lives, concerned about our nation? The more you speak to it, you're, we are creating a currency, right? And the, words, the truth is that our words unlock energy and the world is a field of energy. And I don't know how you respond to this, but trust me, inside every matter is a space, is an, there is an end. The world is not standing still. This is a massive movement going on, but you're not feeling the movement. So at every point in time, you will see the response that Jesus wasn't careless with words. There was even a time Jesus had to teach them. I know what he was teaching them. He was like, okay, you know what? This was a fig tree moment. He told them, guys, I'm going to curse this fig tree. And Jesus wasn't in the habit of cursing like that. But he was like, I'm giving you this so that you will know that words carry power. I want to instruct you so that you understand that by words you make a life, by words you kill. And one of the things we haven't even been able to tap into is that the more I study the Christian experience, the more I realize there is a way of speaking in the gospel that is borderline arrogant. And quite frankly, if you begin to identify and enter sonship consciousness, your language will change. And it's not about raising your voice, it's about raising your language. There's a difference. Sometimes we get buried in the mundane. Your language is very, very important. Because, at, I know I said it on Sunday, you can think you're buried or you can think you're planted. Now, language. One is a finality on you. The other one is a promise of a, of, of a new life. You can actually think you're stagnant. Or you can, you can actually think, be still and know. No movement. You understand? You can actually think that you are just... Everything is just like a chaotic motion or you can actually think this is a movement of love. My point is the words you choose will define because you are a God in, 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 in these guys. So once you don't understand is God could not, God could never, I don't know how this is, but trust me, some people in life understand this better. The man that is, the man of God, you call the man of God, is because you understand the power of words. There are some things I don't want to speak because I don't want it. I'm not ready for the responsibility that comes with that. So you also have to know that you give, you carry divinity. And divinity is that the life of God, God's words in his mouth is as powerful as God's words in your mouth. And God had to silence a priest so that he could get his way and bring forth a child. And God had to bless a virgin because she could identify with the fact that she carries, that God was saying something to her, she aligned. I want to take us again to yet another person in scriptures, 1 Samuel 17. Now, this was an interesting one. I told you, when you read the Old Testament, there is a way we have to interpret the Old Testament. The Old Testament, for many of us, is less about who the character. If you think of the Old Testament as just David and Goliath, you're not bringing home the truth of the Old Testament. Here, I keep saying it, the Old Testament is a reflection of your consciousness. So well, this is what I mean. Goliath is not always about that that is outside of you you must conquer. 
When we speak of Goliath, Goliath is also an internal voice. <laughs> Goliath is becoming something that you somehow, it's something you also have to conquer within you before you conquer it outside of you. So many times we get to think that the Goliaths of our lives are Nigerian traffic, oh, my boss at work, oh, the economy. Those are just far removed from you. The real Goliaths are the thoughts within you that you cannot conquer, you cannot even see. So many of us, without being deliberate about understanding the, the frequency of thoughts and all of those things, we become our own village people. So we are, ah, yes, you become your own village people. You've, every day you're chasing stuff. And we spoke about Isaac. Isaac, we saw it in the tension in his life. Isaac had three wells. The first well was actually called the well called Essek. In this particular dimension, Isaac was in arguments with everyone and everything. We can think that the argument was with the Philistines on one level, but you can also look again and see that the argument was actually self-doubt, fear, the things in your voice that is trying to drown the essence of you. So the Philistines were not always something that was outside of your greatest power, your greatest weakness are the thoughts within. Because thoughts become things. Things exist in twos. Before we talk about the external reality, there's the internal reality that creates it. So everything that we're living in today, you can change anything and everything in your life because God has given you the power. The word is there for you. Ah, guys, think about it. A short mouth is a lost, is a lost weapon. In the realm of the spirit, sound is a, is a weapon. Sound is an instruction. That's why we need music. Sometimes the music is not just so. The music is because we are changing the frequency. We are changing something. Think about how they crashed a wall of a country. Long before there was Berlin Wall, long before there was border wall by Trump, there was a wall in Jericho. That wall did not come down with bulldozer. The wall was brought down with a shout. Because behind every shout, right, behind every shout was a quake. Why would a shout, the scream, bring it down? It's because there's something in it. So David understood the mystery of life. David will wake up in the morning. He has, a, he has a cloud of depression. David will shout, Why so dark cast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. <laughs> David was speaking to himself. David will first preach to himself because guess what? Gospel is declaration. Declaration is not something that you read. It's something you tell yourself. There is the inner ear and there is the outer ear. So there is the mystery of you. There's something, that, that's why you have to learn to say to yourself, David will say, why so thou cast on? They said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his court with praise. Lift up your ear, O ye gates. Lift up your hands, O ye church. He kept talking about it, speaking of it, speaking of it, creating the mystery of the gospel through his words. My point is, if you and I become too sophisticated to engage with our words, we will lose out of certain things because words are spiritual. Our mouth is more about, not just for mastication, it's for instructions. The universe is waiting for instructions. What are you giving to the universe? Life is waiting for instructions. What are you giving to life? Are you being conquered by the realities of life or life is running on you? So I want, to, I want us to question the false timidity that religion has taught us. That religion has taught us that there's something called being humble. and be, Yes, I'm not taking away there's humility, but there's timidity. And there's a difference. The timid man is somebody that circumstances has overpowered. The humble man is one who is fully aware of his power, yet is not afraid to coexist with others. My brother, you have so much in your disposal. My sister, you have so much in your words. But are you using it to speak to your life? So when you wake up and you have suicidal thoughts, what do you say to that? Are you supposed to say to your suicidal thoughts, oh, this is me, life is helpless here. Because you are supposed to then tell yourself, why so downcast, oh my soul, put your hope in God, speak to yourself and bring it back to life. 
So we are going to an encounter in the life of a man called David. So we're reading from 1 Samuel 17. Did are you there? Okay. So this is what's happening. Now, you, 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 first of all, I told you that the characters in the Bible are less about just the people outside of us. So if we want to bring it home, we have to question ourselves and say, who are these characters in our lives? So you will read the story of Jesse um, and David. And I, I don't want us to normally see the brothers of David as, I want us to also see the brothers of David as the internal conversations we're having about ourselves. I want us to see those, Jesse in this place becomes the typology of the Holy Spirit or the Father that sends us to go and take the good news and take the good supplies to our brethren. But that is actually what it is. So Jesse is not just about the father of David. To you and I, Jesse has become a typology of the father. Now David gets into the town. David goes to war. Guess what? He was supposed to take food to Abinadab. Eliad, all those three guys. Do you know the guys saw him coming? They dissected him. The brothers decimated him. In fact, they were like, David, Aproko is what you're doing here now. Big head. Your mates, they here. Other people at home, you've, you think I don't know is that you've come to spy so that you think something is going on here. So the point is that that voice of Aminadab, that voice, Iliab, all those voices are not just about the people that were David's elder brother. They are a system of thinking that you and I were raised in. The question that tells you why are you trying to do too much, who could even tell you that you can be more? My brother, sit down there. I know you. So they become the voices of the impostor calling you to a small life. They silence you from taking any opportunities. They weaken you from making any attempts. Right? But David came through this. And then you meet the, the, the Hercules. Right? The Goliath. This one is the one that will tell you, oh, today you'll be breakfast by the time we're done. So let's read that story. From 12. Let's take it from 12. Now David was the son of the Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. Jesse was old in the days of Saul. Ad Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. His three older sons had followed Saul into battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three others followed Saul. But David went back and fought from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistine Goliath came out morning and evening and took his stand for 40 days. Then Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and run quickly to the camp to your brothers. Okay, please pause there. I want us to give us a picture of, um, of the Philistines and Goliath. Goliath was a national tension. Yes. Goliath was, had paralyzed the whole country. They were at war, but nobody could lift the sword. Then come house, nobody come house. So the war was not finishing. They were supplying them food. So, you understand? So, the, the, the David's father even got worried that this war that is not... Saul, at this point in time, has lost his identity. So Saul did not understand power, anointing, any of these things. Saul was, Saul, was, Saul was even the one that was hiding the most. So Goliath would come down. Goliath was walking right in the middle of the town. 
But the interesting thing about Goliath is that all the Philistines did not even prepare for a life without Goliath. <laughs> so Goliath indeed had become the symbol of power. Goliath would just walk around the city. Who is there like a man? Oh, is there a man in Israel? All I see are lily livered. Like, you know, all that stuff. Go home to your wives and let them come and fight for you. There is no man here. If there be a man, show thyself. Yeah. And then everybody goes under the cave. Quiet. And this was going on for 40 days. Old. Yes, 40 days. The chorus, the chorus of Goliath wakes you up every morning. Has a man been born in the last 24 hours? Or indeed, no man in Israel. That's what it was. So everybody goes home again. So this Abinadab and Eliab, they were part of the hiding crowd. Father was sending them food because the whole village was waiting. Are we to wait for another? Or is there still a nation? No. So the national voice, now what is the national voice in Nigeria? There are many things in the air. So you and I must also understand. Let me tell you one of the, there is a national voice of fear that the nation has no promise and this is a land that eats its own. So once you meet that national voice of fear, you wake up every morning. Somebody missing in Akwaibom. Akwaibom now, I don't understand. Akwaibom has been doing things. You understand? So somebody missing in Akwaibom. So I woke up this morning and I heard that NYC must be scrapped because the land is not secured. How, we, how are we going to be sending our children to a place that is not secured and we are killing them? So the, 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 somebody moved the motion, scrap it. And the person made another point. Because of coppers now, there is unemployment. <laughs> yes, now. His point was that instead of people to employ people and pay them, well, they'll be waiting for copper. Yeah. Yeah. NYC, I beg, send me 10. Less, um, yeah, free labor, and you'll be buying coconuts and corn. <laughs> They'll send you, please, roasted plantain and body. The one, that second woman, her own is always, she knows that her source is the source of life. So after BSC and this thing, you find yourself crossing road. Almost being knocked by Keke to buy this thing. But anyway, that, so the man woke up and said, we must remove it. This is not working. And that person now called and said, there's something wrong with this man. For even suggesting that we should remove something that People are marrying. <laughs> so this person's own point, you no know, radio. I don't Nigerian radio. You just understand our national consciousness. So somebody said something that I found my wife in NYC. <laughs> Another caller now came and said, "Please tell that man to respect himself, because must you need a, must you need NYC to find wife? Are people not marrying from other tribe even without NYC?" So another person will call and say, see, let's not be weak. Solve insecurity and leave NYC alone. Not take because of her, they cut the head. I learned that one this morning. <laughs> so don't take because of her, they cut the head. But I was with them. But my point is that if you, need, if you listen to national consciousness, I know someone, one, one uh, picture, the um, president was holding toothpick. <laughs> and somebody was like, why did we not see you at the burial? Said so you want accidental discharge to get to me? <laughs> no, again, but there's a national tension going on here. You know, Ola, Ola is leaving tonight for Germany. 
Yes, and then she was crying so badly on Sunday. But there was this tension of her loving to go and meet her husband. It's been a while. It's been a while. We will know the warmth of um, another. Uh, we'll tell you it's been this. Uh, it was required. Right. So they are now reunited. They shall be reunited. But when she was crying, it wasn't so much that she wanted to leave. Or it wasn't so much that Nomso didn't want to come back. It was that the more they see, the less they see. Mm. So the, everybody is now thinking like, yeah, there was even somebody that came to look for me the other day. I saw a passport in his pocket. <laughs> no, my brother, even, I, I didn't know that I was now issuing visas to the country. Person, no, the person told me clearly, Man of God, I've been following your page and I see that you have a team for ambassadors. So I came here to instruct, to inform you that I need a visa. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, you know, the man of God entered into a prophetic moment. The land is green. The, the, the guy said, in fact, by the time, by my third line, the guy said, I beg to disagree, sir. There is nothing here for me. I need to leave. And then for at least five years, then I can come back. I need to, then I'll come back and run as president. But I need to leave first. No, do you know, I tried to explain to him. And this thing I'm telling you like this. When I give you some, I'll sit there for that. No, no, it's not that bad. I'm here. I'm here, guys. We ain't going nowhere. Right? No, even myself, I don't say I don't reach to give you some. Those posts were also curated for tension. But not for tension, for, for reflection of his glory. We, for different, the same result, different motives. But at the end of the day, brother, that's how people are now moving around with passport. So somebody told me the other day that, give me job, or not give me job, give me passport, or not give me passport. Because now passport don't finish. <laughs> you know, you know the, 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 you wake up in the morning, there is no more paper in Nigeria. I say, ah, paper? No, be, I go buy and carry go there. Una go preacher for me, right? So at the end of the day, a friend of mine went and got his passport. They made mistake with it in his age. So by the time he complained, I said, brother, you for just Kukuma accept your age, oh, because we don't know when the thing will come out. Because they now say, no, paper don't finish. You for take on that time. No, and you're paying for a mistake that he made. So my point is that there is a national tension of hopelessness and fear. But let me tell you what's happening here. There is a, within the consciousness of Nigeria, we may not know, there is a breaking. In 2023, uh, Nigerians will spit like this inside, no, on face of politicians. You will be so, between now and then, you'll be so upset that when you see some things, you cannot handle it. So it's okay. Now you guys think you're comfortable. You'll be tearing poster. You understand? Burning it because you realize, you know, I just recently saw that, because, you know, I'm from an oil rich state, so we don't just want to talk about things, but. Apparently, there was a the money that has been returned to my state that we need an account for. And it has to be judiciously utilized. But when that money was lost, the state issued a press statement, please, no money was stolen. Leave our son alone. So, honestly, and a, a place where people are looting loot, you have to be worried. I saw one picture of people carrying a policeman. They were... <laughs> They were protecting for this part. <laughs> the, the, the irony, it, the, people were protecting the police. 
And there are some places in the East where, the, 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 in fact, as a policeman is passing, before you turn, the black has disappeared. You just see, <laughs> you just see no little singlets. So somebody was explaining to us that during NSAS, there was they broke into police stations. And a lot of police stations, they stole ammunition. So some parts of the nation are under tension. And if you're not careful, these things are feeding into your psyche. So you wake up in the morning and you're afraid and you're speaking fear. We are just coming out of COVID lockdown. Not like, I think we've, you know, suddenly now, it's not like COVID is gone. But some things are more COVID than COVID. So suddenly, whether COVID, some people, you know, these days, not, nobody they know again. I don't understand, but it was because I told you guys about the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague was something that happened way back. But after, many years after, some scientists went and dug up the bodies. They picked up sort of like a specimen, like they would take like 100 bodies that died during the bubonic plague. When they found, they carried out a research and they found out 50% of those bodies died without the plague in it. But they died of the plague. How do you die of something you never had? Because sometimes the fear of death kills faster than the dead disease itself. And so there is opening up in your consciousness, fear, tension. When you look at this other one, poverty, unemployment. But do you know, in this particular land, my friend was telling me that he's from Lebanese. The Lebanese, they are in love with Nigeria. Yeah. Yes. They're in love with Nigeria. They keep coming. They were the only ones that they didn't kidnap in Niger Delta. Because Oibon was not very Oibo. You understand? So, but at the end of the day, the, the Lebanese will tell you that when they look at Nigeria, they see opportunities. But when Nigerians look at Nigeria, they see something else. We see insurmountable challenges. I'm telling you here that in the, there is a wealth that is coming that is not of the old order of things. So in the midst of the country, you cannot play like the old. Right? There is a wealth that is coming that will come because you understand the, there is a wave, there is an old money that will fail. What we are seeing here is that current, the Nigerian value, dot and Naira is actually failing because one, everything is designed to be wrong in a system that is dependent on a, an oil economy that is dwindling. We're talking about a post-oil economy by 2030. What we're saying is that 2030, nobody will buy the oil again. In fact, it's not so much that you will not be producing, nobody will need it. Now, the fear is that we may not even get to 2030 because Shell has already told us on their way out that the place is no longer safe. So my point is, all of these things can feed into your cycle, but realize this, the state of the nation is a, reflected, is a reflection of our consciousness. So this nation is reflecting fear because men, sons have not a reason to do what they're supposed to do. In the space where you operate, fear cannot crack you if you know who you are. So you must take your territories by your own design and understand that in this industry where I'm in, I will bring in the wealth. In this industry, we will break things, we will bet things, we will create. You can become the voice and the mouthpiece. Men who have shaken this world, men who have shaped this world, understood the power of words. They were never coward. They never really bowed. They always stood their grounds. Let's track up on David. Let's track up on David. So I'll take it from verse 17 again and said, Then Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and run quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are doing and bring back news of them. Now they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning 
left the flock with a keeper, picked up the provisions and went just as JC had directed him. And he came to the encampment as the army was going out in, the ba in battle formation, shouting the battle cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in the battle formation, uh, army against army. Then David left his provisions in the care of the supply keeper and ran to the ranks and came and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words again. And David heard him. When the men of Israel all saw the man, they fled from him and were very frightened. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. The king will reward the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter in marriage and make his father's house um, family free from taxes and What verse are you on now? 20, 25. Okay, go ahead. Continue. Uh, make his father's house um, family free from taxes and service in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace of this of his taunting from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God? The men told him, that is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he said to the men. And, Eliab, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, why have you come down here? With whom did you leave? <laughs> Sorry. With, with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption. <laughs> I know your presumption over confidence and the evil of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, "What have I done now? Was it not just a harmless question?" Then David turned away from Eliab to someone else and asked the same question. And the people gave him the same answer as the first time. When the words, David, when the words that David spoke were heard, the men reported them to Saul and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's courage fail because of him, Goliath. But guys, just check out David's confidence. You understand? Just check out both. Now, the question before we continue... So that the answers are there, but why was he so confident? Anybody? Why was David so confident? So he knew the. So he was anointed. So, but we are all anointed. One after the other. Eh? So he had a strong identity. Yeah. Okay, you, you, the anointing broke the yoke. Okay. He was angry that Goliath was defying God. Hmm. He was like, who is this guy that is, that is talking about this our dot, God like this? This dot get picking. Mm. We'll come back to it. Um, but I love it. We need to unpack I, it. Can I add? I, I think it's not just the anointing. I think that's secondary. Um, the experience he has had a with God from the um, wilderness. What is Pastor picking the <laughs> So it's more first hand. Um, so he had seen God save him through bigger things than mm. Goliath. So this one was really small for him. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. 
the conquest so if we listen to the words of david he said these guys define the armies of god he didn't say me hmm. so david understood david had a national conscience this is not all of us now Kamaradowski. all of us now army of god and this guy stands to defy the armies of god you know, so isn't just they are defying me the anointed but how did he get all that hmm. you know the israelite kept um monument of all their dealings how god dealt with them god mm-hmm. so then when you're crossing the rest you pick up stones mm-hmm. so when your kids ask you you tell them that oh, we went to this country this so david had feasted on those things so that's why he said this guy's an uncircumcised philistine mm-hmm. what he was saying was that this guy doesn't he was have speaking defense. to a covenant this guy doesn't have defense and he knew the covenant was an israel thing not david thing so he was Guys, he was is... more invested in that relationship like you know what god deal with us this guy this guy not get defense now he's too big you cannot miss him we just have to go home now basically that's what that so that was how all those that was how that's how he was able to fight the bear hmm. that's why he was able to eat david chased a lion ah. he chased a lion what are you talking about so it was first this national conscience As of for first, god for deal with us <laughs> okay Mori, you want to add Okay, he has, he has said it. Ah, Martins, what you pulled out uh, is a series. It's a series. But there, there, was, there was some things he said to Martin spoke about one. He spoke about the idea that, see the way David understood God. He knew it wasn't me versus Goliath. <laughs> it was a small nation versus God in his own mind. So David had a revelation of God and a revelation of himself. He, had, he saw himself in the context, ever wondered why God called him a man after my heart. Yet, this guy, we know Satan is not pure on the other side. <laughs> you understand? But the guy, the, the didn't alter God, he didn't alter how God saw him. Then, then the one, when he now said what he said of him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, there is something about it that he was saying that you guys must keep an eye on. Now, circumcision, if we go into the New Testament, circumcision has a new meaning. But there is an opening of circumcision. At the time, God was going into a deal with Abraham. God was like, Abraham, I'm trying to pick out a race of people that will be dedicated to me and I'll be dedicated to them. And we held together by a strong covenant. And you know, one of the mysteries of the, of the Hebrew gods was like he was a covenant-keeping God. So they knew him as a covenant-keeping God. When David came and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David was provoking a covenant that they had. He was speaking to his heritage that there is something God has said concerning our father. Now, when you come to this New Testament, circumcision was not the act of cutting flesh. Circumcision was actually the heart of cutting hearts. It was about God tearing away from you. So he was speaking of a newness of heart that we've come to enter through Christ. So that all of us here are circumcised, not by the skin, but by, by flesh, by the heart of God. God cutting things off you. So now we've entered that. So what it means is that how much David knew, David was conscious of that covenant. You and I carry the same thing. And it's saying, Galatians 3.13 says, now this is the mystery, that we've all come to participate in that which God accomplished to, to Christ in Abraham. So what it is, look at Galatians 3.13. Do you want to read it? Galatians 3. We never come up for here. But Galatians 3, we'll come back. Galatians 3. So at the end of the day, there is a covenant that is speaking now that covenant is a covenant of love is a covenant of union is a covenant of your inclusion is a covenant of abundance that every day you wake up there is something that is already for you so you cannot continue to use your i am to bet nothing the moment you say i am not good 
you've actually learned your God essence to so, not good. Yes. So the moment you say, I am not enough, you've actually learned your God essence to I am not enough. God's name to Abraham, to Moses was, I am that I am. And what God was actually saying is that there is something in that name. I'm revealing to you my intimate, my own abundance, my own signature, my own approval. So once you want, the moment you tap in, I am, you've unlocked your divinity. Now what comes next is your creation. Yeah, you're manifesting that. So the moment you say, I am not good enough, you have given your power to that thing. So you cannot, guys, I don't know how you be don't don't have money in your pocket, you are rich. Yes, yes. He said, let the boss, let the weak say, I am strong. It is the gospel because the gospel is about rescripting you. The weak can no longer be weak, it's no longer gospel. Let the condemned say I am free. That is the gospel. The gospel is not the condemned is more condemned. No, he said, even if your heart condemns you, I am greater than your heart. It's not about, I let the guilt say that I am guilty. He said, let the guilty one say I am free. The gospel is not a declaration of your condemnation, of your guilt, or your shame. It's a removal of them. So if you now lend your I am to things, you're going to live. What, is, what are you lending your I am I amness to? I am a son. I am, an, I am loved. I am already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. Okay, let's read Galatians 3. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. Mm. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Mm. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit yeah. through faith. Yeah. So what we see is that there's a covenant that God established with the children of Israel that we've all been included in. So God did not choose them to exclude. God chose them and through them to include us. So you and I are now participants in that covenant of life. So you are not entering another covenant. That covenant is enough. Jesus already entered it for us. So you are in Christ. So all this, let's make a new covenant. Let's make a new covenant. I love your intention. It's a good intention. But you're too late to the party. Okay, so let's track up on David now and finish the rest. Are we back there? Yes, so from 32 again, David said to Saul, let no man's courage fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight with, it, with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are only a young man and he has been a warrior since his Okay, let's, let's, let's paint a picture of this scenario. 40 days they were in war, no victory, no vanquish. It was like a civil war, Nigerian civil war condition. Go home, nobody go home. Stay here, nobody stay here. They were at war. Now, guess what? At the end of the day, what you find is David comes into town. There is a conversation that they're already having. It's a conversation of defeat. It's a conversation of, it's a conversation of fear. It's a conversation of doubt. Doubt has become their national consciousness. Shame has become their national consciousness. Who is the man? Comfort if you have two legs. Nobody's growing up. So that was what they were. And David got into the conversation. Guess what? From Eliab that comes to say, hey, young man, I know you're, you're full of conceit and proud. Do you think this is your gig? Your mate's day here. You understand? Then you pass that one, you meet another one and say, guys, that one way they go try. They will make you for breakfast. And then you meet, tell you, Come, let me introduce you to the armors of Saul. The armors of Saul have not delivered victory, but Saul will give you none the ways. 
And the, 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 the thing is that David carried the armor of Saul. They were heavy. He put the thing, and David even said, I beg, I beg, I think this thing will kill me faster. <laughs> no, some of us, we got to the battleground, though. We, we got to the field of conquest, but we borrowed the armors of the, of the field armies, and you were taken out. You started to listen to things. You know, sometimes we think that everything is in strategy. The greatest strategy are the pictures you pick in the place of prayer. But sometimes we begin to, have, we need a strategy consultant. Some consultants have consulted rubbish, killed the company. You understand? You paid them to kill you. So the point is that because they gave you armors of Saul. Sorry. Well, they, you gave, they, gave, no, they gave you the armors of Saul. It was what used to work. It is no longer working. Do you know, at the end of the day, some people are stuck in. Somebody was telling us how she wanted to pay for house. Until he got the house, so the, the, the man said, no, we, take, we do bank drafts. You have to go to the bank and, and get a bank draft. <laughs> she said, oh. She now, she now said, she was not around. She was not in Lagos, but she wanted to speak for that. So she felt like, you know what? This is really funny. I've not heard of band driving in a long time. She said, is there a chance I can do a transfer? They said, no, we don't do transfers. You have to go to the bank, physically fill a bank draft. She said, okay, maybe when I get back. She liked the house. Then I think she said by the Saturday or so, she found another place that was just as, that was better. And those ones wanted transfer. She entered her app, transferred there and then. By, by Monday, the... the Bank draft people called and said, please, we want to know if you are still taking the house because you know Nigeria, right now some people are waiting to go and pay. She said, no, let them go pay bank drafts. She said, it's too late, I've paid. My point is, some tools kill you faster. The thing is that Saul meant well. That armor wasn't cheap. It was well, no, it was well made soon. It was, no, it was well chiseled. Like, it was made well, it was gold and everything, but you can't move. You can't move. So the mystery for us is that don't take the armors of your mom. Don't take the armors of your dad. Because oftentimes it was made for a different times. And what worked for them may not necessarily work for you. So you have to be led by the spirit, not by the armors of soul. The armors of soul are the armors of flesh. They follow the patterns of culture. We come from Christ. We are spirit beings. We are fresh. You know what he said? You'll be led by proceeding word. Not, by a, not just by the word of God. There is something called the current truth. Paul was teaching them and used the word current truth. If you Google it, you find it. I can't remember what that was. But he was saying that you will dwell in the current truth. The current truth is that there might be a teaching of gospel that works for our parents that will not work for us. So we are in the current truth of union, discovering every day that God doesn't go on sabbatical, that he's in love with us and he abides in us. You know what Jesus said? Let this word be in you. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. We have learned in union to abide with him. But have we learned to let his word abide in you? Because the beauty of that word abiding in you means that you can script anything. Now, I want you to understand that we can't dwell too much on David. Last, let's look at 1 Corinthians 1. 26 to 31. Let's just close up on that one. So at the end of the day, you and I must first of all understand there is something in the gospel that you must take advantage of. Your inheritance is not something you lay claims by being timid. It's your rights. You're not entitled. You're an inheritance. You're an heritor. You're a son. Sons don't feel like they're stealing. Slaves can deal with entitlement. We have the title deed. So we have the title deed. So I'm not stealing anything that is not mine. I'm laying the claims of that which has become mine in Christ. Now, are you there? First Corinthians 1. 
uh, 26 i think i'm looking for 26 to 31 first corinthians 1 26 to 31 first corinthians 1 mm. 26 to 31 sorry i'm having technical difficulties uh, our reader is um is being attacked by some goliath of technology okay so 26 to 21 mm. to 26 right remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when god called you instead god chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful god chose things despised by the world things counted as nothing at all and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. <laughs> he made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture said, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. <laughs> You cannot be in union and not boast. Go and read that thing again. See, uh, I know that they said boasting is not a good thing. But please, I give you permission to boast in Christ. Do you know, I saw at um, Transcorp Hilton, I just saw crowd. Everybody was moving around. Then I was, I was hearing one, one this thing. And I was like, okay. Some something is around that we need to pay attention to. Then I now saw um, Oba, Oni, Oni. I saw Oni. Oni was coming around. This was a government function, and some people were going Oni. You know they call them Oriki. So they were doing, yeah. They were just hailing him, hailing him, serious hailing. You understand? And the, the man was moving, and I'm thinking, wow, this is so beautiful. My guess what? Those words of Oriki. Are oftentimes an incantation of some sort to keep him in the consciousness of who he is so he will not forget his kingship he could easily slip out of it and think he's a mere mortal there is no mere mortal all men are made in the image of god you are not ordinary there is no ordinary man they're only men who have believed their ordinariness because they're not awakened to who they are so this is what i want you to do you and i have a permission to boast in the union that we now have with God. What this means is that I wake up in the morning, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, sin has no power over me. That's your boast. I am made in, I'm carry, I carry his life. That's my boast. I am a son, not a slave. That's my boast. I am filled with all precious good things and promises. That's my boast. I carry his life. I carry his power. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. That's my boast. I'm not empty. I'm not lack of, I don't lack clarity. I have purpose. I have insight. The wisdom of God runs in my blood. I am wise. I, I interpret times. I read the handwritings on the wall. I can tell the future. I can tell times because that's my boast. So your boast is a claim of what Christ is to you. Your boast is not something you're stealing. It's something you are in Christ. So Paul is saying, I'm not saying boast in Harvard. You know, there was a time somebody came and told me that we're doing fundraising. He said, Ferry, you guys have to get somebody from Harvard on your board because the Harvard, the better. Yes. Yes. That's why some people are still doing temp, um, still doing um, temp, um, temp papers. They're applying, applying. Harvard need no boast, not in Harvard. If those guys have the answer, the world will not be in crisis. 
no, trust me, uh, those NBA, go and look at the story of Enro, uh, um, uh, right? There was a part, this guy's book, Enron, this guy's book, um, what's this book again? How do you measure your life? By Clay Christensen. The man tracked a class from Harvard, the best of the best, for over a period of 20 years. By the 25th year, they were all, now. everybody has gone. But only very few had life. Marriage scattered, career had dwindled, and the man was saying, it takes more than smartness to get it going. And it was now because everything was built around charisma, this thing. But when they entered, in fact, the, the president of their class was the guy that was caught up in that, in that scam, and then went to jail. He was the president of their class. So what do you understand? If the world system can keep it, Harvard degree would have kept it. No, it can't keep it. The best brains are puzzled. The best scientists were sitting in the lab trying to crack what kind of chromosome is what, what is playing out in that thing called the virus. Uh, 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 what's that now? COVID. No, no, no. Every day the thing is, is metamorphosing, mutating into new strands. Right? And everybody's perplexed. If technology was utopia, the world would be perfect. No, technology cannot resolve the deep issues of the human heart because humans were never meant to be filled by anything other than God. So we try to fix it with stuff. Get ready, you're going to dig deeper into it. You and I have found the answer. We don't boast in technology. We don't boast. It boasts again that you have oil. <laughs> See you now. Oil rich, oil rich. That's all the richer, the, the most, the oil rich countries are the poorest. Or there's something we in Harvard they call the blessing of the course. The, the course of the blessing. The course of the blessing is when countries are so rich with resources that they cannot be resourceful. Yeah. Yes, because there was a mystery of scarcity inspiring creativity. That sometimes with less, people start to think of creating. So you don't see scarcity as a cause. See it as a perfect backdrop to expand abundance. So if there, there would be no 12 crews, there were no 12 baskets without a cruise of oil. But the cruise had run out of supply and then she saw the miracle. There would be no neck-breaking breaking miracle without an endless pool. But at the word of God, he jumped. See, don't settle for less than who you are in God. You are made in the image of God and his likeness. You carry his life. He's inside of you. You carry his breath. You carry his love. You carry his com you're complete in Christ. There is nothing missing in your life, nothing broken. God is alive in you. I want you to open your mouth tonight. If you have never screamed out anything that, whether you're, you, if you're battling this, but this is what it is, this is the answer. Your battle is not won anything by your declaration of who you are. So you declare the righteousness over condemnation. You declare abundance over everything that is grappling around you. You tear down the walls with your mouth. Your words are power, they release. Please, I don't know what people have told you, but I'm telling you now, God's word will shape and, sh and shake everything in your life. Tonight, lay hold of the promises, lay hold of the gospel, lay hold of your healing in God, the wholeness that is available unto you. I carry healing, I carry power, I carry strength. I carry power, I carry healing, I carry strength, I carry life. I carry healing, I carry power, I carry strength, I carry life. I carry abundance, God's wisdom is flowing through me. I live in abundance, I live in truth. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.